Hello and welcome back to the podcast, That's Enough Already, where I talk to good friends, colleagues, and yeah, that basically narrows it down about the things that shit them to death. Now, this week I'm talking to Guy Montgomery, who falls into the friend and also a colleague category. We used to just be colleagues, and then we did Taskmaster New Zealand Season 2 together, and it was an extremely bonding scenario. It was always being like in a hostage situation where we were given tasks by the Taskmaster, and then his assistant, little bitch Paul, would facilitate, and we would do all these tasks. And it was very, very bonding experience and I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot about other people during it. You can look it up on YouTube if you're outside of New Zealand. If you're within New Zealand, just go on to TVNZ On Demand and have a look. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to do. I, I reckon it's one of the most fun shows I've ever done in my life. Anyway, guys on there, he's extremely funny. He's extremely smart. Go look him up on his socials, um, Guy Montgomery. He's on everything. And uh, he's, a, he's a bit of a hoot. He's also touring New Zealand in September, hopefully, if uh, we can get rid of COVID. Just go check it out. Even if it gets postponed, it'll all be on his socials or on his website. You know how this goes. Enjoy the potty. Shh, that's quite enough. Just stop. Just shut your mouth. I don't give a stuff. Zip it. Shush, please. Uh, 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 uh. Yes, I can hear. Calm down, mate. But I don't care. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush. I, with Taskmaster, let me just quickly ask you, was it any, at any point when you were doing anything where you thought you're going to look like a dick or you're going to get cancelled? Well, I appreciate you asking whether or not I, I was afraid to get cancelled as, you know, I'm in a particularly vulnerable uh, group subset of society for cancellations. <laughs> um, you're still not gay, are you? No, no, not gay. <laughs> just, you know, out here, straight as an arrow. Very boring, but there was there was one challenge where I sort of I had a I thought I had a really good idea and I had a lot of confidence in it, and then um by the time it came around to performing the challenge, I was sort of like oh this is maybe a bit a bit base, but with hindsight I think it was funny. Basically, the challenge was it didn't make it to air. Uh, do this do the stupidest thing. Oh, I'm glad you're wrong. You're yeah. making this up. Let's go. And it was <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like I. Uh, I don't know that there was any time pressure, but, you know, you read it, and I can't remember what it was. I think it was the last one of the day, and I was, like, out, out, completely out of gas, which I didn't anticipate, but, of course, it happens. Like, they, the yeah. edit's pretty generous, but there are some tasks where you're just completely gassed. Can we? Can I just quickly paint a picture for people who, uh, or, of course, there won't be, there'd only be a very specific yeah, yeah. group of people <laughs> who would know what it's like. But when you film Taskmaster, you show up really early in the morning. It's still dark when you arrive. It's dark when you leave. You're there for 12 to 15 hours a day, depending on how fucked you are doing tasks. Uh, and so just, you know, you're in a caravan for longer than anticipated. But you get there, you're doing everything by yourself. And in the time that it takes them to set up the tasks, you are just locked in a bedroom basically till mm. they come and get you. So you're just there all alone. There's no one that you can bounce ideas off. And as a comic, there's no one that'll laugh at you. Yes. Really. So your biggest challenge is to get a sort of snicker from behind a camera or to, <laughs> yeah, and, you yeah. know, try and crack Paul. That was my my go-to. But anyway, so that that is your your thing. You're working from a very – and that's draining if you have no one to feed off. Um, and so that's why you would be tired. Please. Well, yeah. And it, like all of the production crew, they're all having their own days. And so, you know, if you're measuring how you're doing against their response, that's not necessarily how it's, you know, like it's just, it, yeah. you do get tired. But so it was the last one of the day was uh, do the stupidest thing. I was like, fuck. I mean, I got nothing. I sort of was, you know, they're filming you for five minutes and you're not saying anything and you feel like you're really flailing around. And I was like, well, 
The only thing I've got in my head right now is to put my dick in a toaster. That is like <laughs> the stupidest thing I can think of. And that is, yeah. I think that's funny. You know, like it's just, yeah. I say, I'm gonna, I think the only thing I've got is I'm going to put my dick in a toaster. And then as I walk from outside the shed where we were to the kitchen to put my dick in the toaster, it was just the right <laughs> amount of time. And I was just the right amount of sort of vulnerable and time where I was like, this is a bit like, this is an awful awful idea no one wants this i don't know i was sort of just running through it in my head and i was like no this is, i'm making a big mistake here but i'd already committed to it and then so the whole thing rides on confidence if you confidently walk into a kitchen and put your dick in a toaster that's funny but if you sort of sheepishly sort of unfill your penis <laughs> and like lower it into a toaster it's really it's bad and so you know, we, we, we go through this motion. I'm umming and ahhing out loud to uh, the director. And he's like, just do it. You know, it'll be fine. Can we just say the director is also a comedian? Yes, yes. And a All comedian. Right, so, and he's a young, he, Tom Furness. He's amazing. He's a young comic. He's a, when, when I started doing comedy in uh, Auckland, New Zealand, he was my he was the guy I was like, I want to be like him. I thought he was the funniest guy. Yeah. So, so the thing is when a comedian decides to do something dumb and there's another comedian who is now the person in <laughs> who's sort of the adult because we need adults around us to go, I think that's a really shit fucking idea. Do not put your dick in an electrical device. Yeah. That That is lacking on set when there's another comedian going, fuck you, yeah, put your dick in the toaster. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, just put your dick in the toaster. And so I, I sort of did, and before I did it, I I took, I lowered my pants and there was like a modesty, the sheets that they used to, to yeah. put up in the lab, I had that like, you know, just to save any editors having to deal with my yeah. penis. As I did it, I sort of looked at the camera and I said, COVID-19 isn't real. And then I put my dick in the toaster. Cause I was like, this is, you know, this is the stupidest possible thing I could do. Yeah. And then that was the last task. And it was sort of, I didn't end on a bang. You know, some days you end on a real fucking, yeah. you know, you're singing. And then yeah. other days you just got this long drive back from West Auckland where you're like, I can't believe I just put my dick in a toaster while I said <laughs> COVID-19 isn't real. Like, this is not, this is not good. This is not a good day at the office. And then for reasons which I don't know if they're related to what I did or not, but that task got scrapped. Okay, so so what I did for that task, because afterwards we found out that everyone sort of had a, a I think because the the task was so broad, you know, like you literally can come up who, uh, as, as a comic, as someone with a really dark mind, who can't come up with, I can come up with a million shit ideas in a second yeah. when they go. So the task is come up with a dumb idea and for extra points, execute yes. that dumb idea. So it's a two-parter. And it's, all, it's a great prompt as well. Like do yeah. the stupidest thing is a brilliant task. Yeah. So my very first thought was, all right, I'm going to, Find my ex and say we should try again. Like that's dumb. <laughs> that's fucking dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, there's real world, like there's material emotional consequences to that. <laughs> yeah. As someone who likes to win, I thought this yeah. is going to do it. Yeah. Then I thought, no, wait, I have to live this life still. And I thought, I can't do <laughs> yeah. that to myself. Then I thought, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to drink a coffee. After three o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. that'll that'll fuck up my night. Absolutely. I'm going to be up all night. But then I thought maybe younger viewers won't know the impact mm -hmm. that this caffeine has had. Yeah. Then I thought, okay, I know. I'm a woman of a specific age with a specific build and a specific skill set that does not include riding a mountain bike at high speed down a driveway, hitting a ramp, and then jumping the ramp. <laughs> I thought that's what I'll do. I'm going to build a ramp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I, I got on the, at first when I went, so when you watch Taskmaster New Zealand season two, uh, if you're not in New Zealand, you can always catch it on YouTube. You'll find it. You'll see there's a bike that goes in the pond and it goes through everything. Like it literally goes and a few people throw it. I think Matt throws it basically in every single episode. <laughs> Matt basically nearly killed him. When I got the bike, when I picked it up, the front wheel fell off and they were busy gaffer taping the brakes to the back seat because, or to the seat because the, all the brakes were broken on the bike. Yeah. So already I didn't have brakes and the front wheel kept falling off. <laughs> that still did not deter me or our director, Tom. That still did not go, maybe, maybe we should wait till we have a better bike. No, I was like, I'm going to do it. So I got on the bike and they saw I would do like a, ride past and then come back up and try it again. And I went, no, mate, we're going to hit it. I'm going to hit it. And I got on the bike and I started pedaling down. And I thought if I died that day, my last words would be, woohoo, I'm really picking up speed. Woohoo, Paul. <laughs> woohoo, Paul, I'm really picking up speed. <laughs> and as I hit the ramp, the front wheel kind of dropped a bit and the bike just flat and I went straight on my shoulder and my neck oh. and my head and I got a concussion and I broke my car. Oh, and then the story starts being funny. Yeah, but then... I mean, it was still like, even as I was like, because I, I was unconscious for a little bit. And then I came to and I, I was lying there and I said to one of the producers, make sure Tom films the ambulance leaving because I think that'll be really funny <laughs> if we tease the app. I still said this, I swear to God, I go, everyone will assume David Karayas killed himself. <laughs> like, because he's such a wild man. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. and he's a strong guy too. Like, he climbs, and you know, he's very strong. He's um, a former competitive weightlifter. The heaviest thing he's lifted over his head is 180 kilograms. That's more than me. That's you know, that's he's a strong guy. That's a very. I mean, he's got legs on him. He could kickstart Boeing's for Air New Zealand. <laughs> you know, like if they want to go get all those planes of these out of the desert, he can kickstart the shit out of those planes. But yeah, he's a very strong guy. But I do have a question about the dick in the toaster. Yeah. Was it a wider toaster? Because sometimes you struggle to even just get a it like was, a banana. Yeah, well, loaf. well, by the time I was doing it with the modesty screen up, it was sort of. It's your garden variety toaster. It's neither wider nor thinner than an ordinary toaster, I guess. I'm just thinking, like, it's not very wide. So I'm in my mind picturing a really thin, long yeah, penis yeah. going in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I don't own a strap-on that could fit in a toaster. Uh, well, We've got yeah, one of those yeah. wide ones. But they don't sell strap-ons flaccid. Like, it's <laughs> not like I've been spending some time with you and you're feeling yeah. particularly self-confident right before it. And then I was like, it doesn't fit. And I was like, so much confidence. I wasn't, like, wedging the whole thing in. It was just the tip. <laughs> Oh, okay, mate. Okay. <laughs> I'm just asking for listeners at home going, yeah. did he have crumbs on the tip of his dick or not? No, you no know, crumbs. People are interested. Well, no and, you know, that, that would have been an interesting detail, but alas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crummy, crummy dick. <laughs> okay, let me ask you something because you do a podcast with Tim Bat, yes. your husband, your comedy husband. Yep. You guys met. Years ago, 2013 or even before that? No, I think that's right. You've done your research. Mate, have I ever? Um, we did. We met. I used to host a, a late night um, talk show like a, on TVNZU. TVNZ yeah. launched a youth network briefly 
it's actually also where Rose Montefeo got her start in broadcasting. Um, yeah. And I hosted it and I started with another guy called Tim Lamborn. And then we'd get comedians to come in and bring different segments. And Tim Back came in with something called the Lou Review, where he'd come in and just like, he'd use a segment to review public toilets. And that was all Amazing. he did. And he came in like he yeah. was in a suit. He was really well prepared. He really put a lot into it. And right before we went live. Typical Tim Yeah. Back. And I didn't really know him. Like, you know, this was us meeting essentially on set. And right before yeah. we went live, I said to him, just so you know, it's not me. It's like the character of me as the host, but I'm going to be really rude to you and really dismissive of this idea. Because I could see how much work he'd put into it. So it felt sort yeah. of like it would be good for the comedy. And we did it. And it was just like, the chemistry immediately, we were sort of really zinging off each other. And so six months later, the whole funding for that channel got cut. And then Tim was yeah. a, he was actually producing Matt Heath's radio show at the time for yeah. Hodaki. And so then uh, we, we sort of were like, well, what can we do? How can we use this chemistry and what's got the lowest barrier to entry? And that was podcasting. And so we started, we started doing that. What's your, cause I, I love the concept so much, but I've got questions. The podcast is called The Worst Idea of All Time. And the initially it started as a movie review podcast where we just open-endedly watch the same movie over and over and over again and review it. And the movie we chose was Grown Ups 2. We we're going to do Grown Ups, but then um, we thought it's funny to do the sequel. Like, no one was asking <laughs> for Grown Ups. And so not especially yeah. no one's asking for Grown Ups 2. And we just started and we we're sort of doing it open-endedly and then we realized we'd go crazy which we did anyway, but we put parameters on it. So we said 52 mm. times, that's a year. And then we were just away and we were doing it for so long and no one was listening and no one was listening. We were sort of like, you know what? Like if we keep doing this long enough, it will become interesting. And if it takes us yeah. having done 30 episodes before people find out about it, that's going to make it even more interesting because then they're going to trace back, you know, they've got 30 episodes to just shotgun while we're yeah. going. So it's just... um. It's mostly, it's, it turns out, I think at the heart of it, it's a podcast about friendship. Like Tim and I didn't know each other especially well. And we bonded through the wow. fires of this jointly bad decision. So like the highs and lows are really on display. You know, there's like, it's, it's like all good comedy or really anything like there's a... It's the honesty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally truthful. We've never edited anything out. It's sort of like how we are in the moment. That's what it is. Podcasting's crazy for that too, because it's such an intimate medium. Like people are listening yeah. to this right now, they're on a walk, they're fucking cleaning the house, they're doing something that might not want to be doing, but... I like to think people will masturbate quite frequently. I, yeah, I, I like to think so too. I mean, for, just for what it's worth <laughs> for all of your listeners, I like to masturbate while I podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, we can see because yeah. like I mentioned before, you're not wearing any clothing. I'm, uh, I'm so. working double time over here. But, <laughs> yeah, And I salute you for multitasking. Thank you. Here they were saying, men can't do it. And yeah. You're proving them I mean, wrong. Yeah, that's why I started doing it while I podcast. <laughs> I feel like I could be doing more. Okay, can I ask you something? Do you guys, do you actually watch the same movie? Yeah, either? oh yeah, yeah. Do you cheat? Uh, no. We used to be much more rigid. We always watched the thing from start to finish. Yeah. We used to be incredibly strict on like um, phone use and yeah. like, you know, we were sort of in our mid-20s comedians. We didn't have a lot going on. So it was like very right. easy to just commit. And we still we still do, but like our lives are happening around doing the podcast yeah. now and they inevitably bleed in. And I mean, Tim's about to be a dad in two weeks and I'll be interested to see if he still has the same sort of appetite for self-torture 
Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a no. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But Tim, at the moment, you know, he's fresh face. Maybe he maybe it'll morph into the podcast will become about the baby. But I, you can still have the worst idea of all time. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if, yeah, if the worst idea of all, of all time would be just like showing up to hang out with your friend and their newborn baby and podcasting the whole thing. That sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. With and then with a missus complaining in the background <laughs> and not editing it out. <laughs> Hearing a divorce in real time through a podcast. I I edit the tits out of this thing. But mainly because I talk to people that I want to talk to. So sometimes I'll just bring stuff up and I, or I'll share something really personal. Like I want to tell you something, you know, especially like if I, now that we can't travel, so many, because you're the same, you you tour for comedy, you did yes. a, a big stand. I'll ask you about Canada in a minute. But, you know, we tour, we do shit. And then you sort of become family with other comics from the UK and America and stuff. And then you miss them. I miss him so much. Like my golf buddy, Des, he's in New York at the moment or he's in Ireland and I can't get to him. He yeah. can't get to me. Um, and it's just, it's so frustrating. So when I did the podcast with him, half of it was just us catching up. And I have to go, we'll cut this bit. We'll cut this yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, it lends a really lovely um, flavor to the the whole conversation and podcast because it's like you're not delineating between podcasting and hanging out with a friend you're just doing yeah. it and then the stuff that you're like this is an interesting or you know people don't need to yeah. hear this you trim that but the you know like the energy of the conversation holds holds yeah. true throughout it i de- i definitely hear what you're saying as well about like uh the kinship and the friendships and like especially when you're doing those festivals if you do melbourne or if you do edinburgh where you're spending a whole month and there's like a summer summer camp field where it's just all these people and you know you're in these small or these they're big cities but you know you're all yeah. condensed into the same sort of part of it and it's just like it's such a unique flavor of friendship as well because yeah. these the people you you sort of you're dipping in and out of each other's lives at really interesting moments and so there's a real honesty and frankness to them and like an immediacy of intimacy in those friendships yeah. because yeah you don't, have, you don't have time, to you don't have time yeah you don't have time for a slow burn and if you find yeah. something like if someone's funny, then you're like, fuck, they're really funny. I'd love to talk to them. And then you talk to them and then it's like, yeah. great, we're friends. Because comedy is, the, you know, like in real life, it forms so much friendship. But in comedy, it's that on steroids. You're like, if someone's yeah. funny, of course you want to spend more time with them. 100%. Yeah, and it is. It's just an instant. It's like love at first sight. The minute mm. you meet them, you're like, we're going to be, this is us now you know, forever and ever. And what's the other thing? We've got comedy and what else have we got? Yeah, you find one other thing and then there's a few other comedians with that same other thing and then you splinter off. So you would say out of everything that you do, stand-up is your number one thing? I love it so much. It's all. It's like, it's just my favourite thing. It's just like... Everything else I do is to drive people to my stand-up. I was actually listening to your... Um, I listened to the best of season one today and oh, yeah. Ronnie Cheng was saying a similar thing where he was like, everything's in service of getting to do it. And it becomes... It, it, you're, you, I mean, Ronnie's on another level, but you're also on another level for me. Where it's like it becomes harder if you become more successful and people are giving you these other opportunities. You have to really love stand-up, yeah. is what he was saying essentially, to, like, to cont- continue making sure that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, and that's what I say to people. Like, to me, it's about my brand is that. I want that to be it. And um, it's to be brave enough when you just start, when you don't have the money to walk away from money. You have to walk away from money so that one day stand-up will give you the money, but it'll take a lot longer to get there. Yeah. You know, like ads is now. They, If I did ads, I would have that money. I would have that house. I would have that. But then... And like if you play the long game and you go, I'm just going to knuckle down and focus on the stand-up. I'm just going to do the one thing that I love 
and eventually that'll get there. But if you're motivated by money, then it won't. Yeah, it won't, the, I sort of I feel like I I landed in a middle ground where it's like I would do you know I'd look at ads as like I can earn this amount of money in this amount of yeah. time and then portion that out across how much I want to gig. Like I remember I did a job um, for a fast food company after I won the Billy T because I wanted to go to Edinburgh to watch the like festival. And I knew if yeah. I did the job, which I didn't really want to do, I'd get to go over and watch comedy for a month. And I was like, yeah. I'll do it. Did, did you go Did you go just to watch or did you go to do? I, w- I went to watch. I went and wow. I sort of like tried to get on a few lines. I like, you know, yeah. I didn't have a show. I wasn't doing half an hour or anything, but I was like, yeah. I still am, but it's it's time slowed down because of COVID. And so yeah. it's harder to feel the same sort of fervent reverence. And I've got like a family now, but I was a pure obsessive. Like I just... Yeah. You know, I went to that Edinburgh and I was like, I wanted to see a hundred shows in the in the festival. And nice. I saw ninety nine and I had a ticket on the last <sighs> night to go and see a show. And I uh, I was like, Do you know what? I'm not gonna go. Because I was like, I've sort of got what I wanted and I Mate, I, I wouldn't be over. How can you call yourself a cricket fan and go, I'm not gonna do it? I know, I know. It's crazy, but I just like there was something in me. You wanted to keep the door open. Yeah, I was just like, you know what, I'm not going to... And then, yeah, and then I went back the next year with Rose and we did a split bill there. Was that the year you had the poster where you're pissing in the pool? No, 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 that was 2019. The year with Rose, it was a photo of her and I shaking hands and it was just a split bill called Rose Matafeo and Guy Montgomery are friends. Oh, nice. I can't... Because I I don't think I was there with you then. I was definitely there with um, Laura when she was there. Yeah. But I remember the post and again, I, I, I can't believe I'm going to talk about your penis again, but were you <laughs> actually, <laughs> were you actually pissing in the pool? Or yeah, was that like, that was, that was, um, that was. Photoshopped in after? No, no, no. So that was actually my, uh, my now partner, Chelsea was, uh, visiting me. It was like, we'd sort of, we did long distance for a few years at the start of our relationship. I was living in New York and she had, we now have a daughter, but she or her her biological daughter, my stepdaughter. Yeah. She had a young daughter, and so it was like you know it was never quite going to work out. But she's like, "Fuck, you know what? I'm going to come. I'm going to visit you. You can see how it is." And we went and stayed at this um Airbnb in up in uh, like upstate New York, and we're just having such a good time. I was being so stupid, like I was doing these lunges like in the towards the pool, standing on that ladder, and then yeah. um, she was taking photos of it because it was funny. And then she's like, "Do you have any pee in you?" And I was like, "I don't think I got any pee." In me. She's like, "If you got pee in you, you got to do a little pee in the pool." <laughs> and then like a year or two years, or whenever it was yeah. later, I was like, "That's a funny image." But yeah. the thing is. The um the stream and the post is really yellow, and I get yeah, a lot. Of, I've got what, a lot of people coming at me, being like, "Dude, drink some water." Drink so water. dehydrated. That's what I wanted to talk that, to you about. That was a design choice because it didn't read. It got oh, okay. it got okay. digitally altered to be more yellow. Okay, no, because that's all. I just wanted to talk to you about. <laughs> I, Maybe knew, I, I knew it. I knew it. Because I like I I did a thing. Um, Nazim and I did the sketch show together, and in that I you know, sort of ramble. I had to sit in the confessional booth. He's the priest. And then I just had to confess a whole bunch of stuff. But the beauty of working with Nazim on, you know, and and just the beauty of working with comedians is 90% of the shit you say is all improvised. And then I just started going and my whole goal was just to crack him up the whole time (laughs) and listen to the laughter. Eventually they had to film me. 
he was out the room and then because then the stuff that he would reply, we would crack each other up so much. And so I said, I, I drink a Barocca and then I go piss in a, in a pool in Julia. Well, I was saying I was going to piss in Julia Morris's pool, but um, like I said that to him, but in the thing I was just pissing in a pool. And I thought maybe that's what you were doing. You're just rocking that confidence nah, in a Barocca piss straight I was pushing out the last little bit of piss I had out of my long, crummy <laughs> penis. And your toast full. <laughs> okay. Because um, you, you travel and you do other um, other shows and, you know, other festivals and stuff, do you read reviews? Do you give a shit about that? I try not to, but I inevitably do. Yeah, I think everyone does. I'd sooner not. And the thing is, if you like, if if I'm feeling confident in the show or myself, I can do it, and I can take on criticism that might, you know, like the stuff that usually zing, like hits hits you the most when you're reading a review is when they're like, they call out a bit that you're like, that's not quite strong enough, and they say it sags a bit here, and you're like, ah, fuck, you're right, and you got to yeah. go and do the work. But um, I don't know if you find this, but my mental health across a festival could, you know, oscillate. There could be a few days where I get down on confidence, even though if the show's probably yeah. going fine, like no one else can read it. It's so minute and so self-obsessed. But um, if I read a review and that's it, you know, if I read yeah. a review and that, I could really, it could really send me. I wish just doing it and my own gauge on how it's going was enough. Like I wish I didn't have social media. Like even that is, um, I think checking on, checking my notifications on social media is yeah. the same as reading a review. It's like, I don't give a fuck. Like I posted this because I thought it was funny. I don't care how many of you agree. See, I I love it. Like I love, hate it. I love it because I love to interact with people and I I want to engage with them. It, see, and a part of me is like I I don't want the trash and even on my Instagram, my bio says I'm rude, I'm, I'm rude to dumb people <laughs> because I don't want the fuckwits to come at me. Like, yeah. don't come at me with your, I don't want to try and change your opinion on anything. If you don't agree with me, fuck off. You're I, in my house I, now. Yeah, that, I heard this is also in the best of season one was you and I, I loved it so much. And it, I identify that sort of outlook so much with you, which was like, you've chosen to come into, you know, my area and you're yeah. fucking stinking it up with your shit. Go do it yeah. on your own shitty platform. Yeah, get out. So I, but then on the flip side, I also don't want to block everyone because then I feel like I'm creating this whole, you know, Dunning-Kruger effect where I'm only surrounding myself with people who share exactly my same views yeah. and I don't yeah. want to do that because that's dangerous. That's why they're in that fucking situation. Yeah. So, um, but then when I, you know, people get in touch with me and they say, you know, for uh, like I'm, I'm watching your clips and it's dragged me out of a deep, dark depression yeah. or, you know, this is this is the first time I've laughed in a week and I'm like, fuck, how sad is that? You need to do that shit every day. It's a, it's a muscle that needs a workout, I know. I'm no workout queen, but you got to laugh every fucking day. That's the rule. It is, I guess it's, and it's difficult to, you know, it's different for everyone, but it's, it, it's crazy to me that it, that is not front of mind for so many people. Like, yeah. you know, the podcast about what shits me, people without a sense of, like people who sort of, it feels like they're actively looking to not enjoy or not find things funny. Or like they've so got that's, such, that's a thing that shits you about other people? They've got such thin parameters for what they find funny. It's yeah. like, if it doesn't meet some sort of insane self-created criteria, even if it is actually funny. I'm not saying like, you know, people have by by rights don't have to find me or, you know, all sorts of shit funny, but it's like yeah. 
when you Find feel something funny. Yeah, when you feel like they've just closed it off, the fucking like New Zealand. I mean, talk about reading reviews. I read comments on Facebook and stuff sometimes. And it's like the people. It's just so dire. Yeah, no. I mean, you know, you're dealing with a specific type of person when they go. I don't like comedians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What think- is that? That's not us. That's not an us problem. This is a you problem. It's like saying, I don't like sofas. I don't like to sit. Yeah, it's, like, it's not the sofas problem. It's your yeah. asshole. Why, why are you commenting on this thing about comedians? Yeah. The first time in Melbourne when I did a one-hour show, I got a one-star review. And, of course, as soon as it came out, I get Google alerts. So I see, oh, there's a review. So I read it. And there's one star review and the guy says he would have given me half a star, but they're not allowed to do that. And then he just rips into me in this review. I was really upset and I cried after reading that review. And I was, I was very, you know, emotional for two days. And then people started coming to the show and they call it, they call themselves the train crashers that um, go in Melbourne to all the one star shows and they yeah. want to go see why it's such a fucking train smash. So they come to the show and then people would afterwards go, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was hoping it would be terrible. And I'm like, excuse me? And they go, we yeah. go to all the one-star shows to go laugh at how shit <laughs> I, it is. I think it's okay to go to the one-star shows. I don't think it's okay to tell the comedians that there's Yeah, no, I know. But then, so I was like, oh, fuck, okay. That year I decided, okay, fuck fuck these reviews. But then the next year I got five-star reviews from everyone, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I was just the taste of the town. I was like, I don't give a fuck what you people think. I looked into that kid that gave me, he was a 20-year-old social media contributor for the drive section in the paper. How can this twat sickle? Now, how can I be upset for two solid days on a show that I've been working on for a year by a social media contributor in the drive section? I felt embarrassed for myself. Yeah. I'm like, this cunt won't know what's funny if it driven it, over him. It takes an incredibly high level of emotional intelligence to be able to, like, observe your, yourself in that way or, like, to not be swept up in the emotion of being bothered and be like, this, you know, I don't need to fucking worry about this. But that was that was the last time it bothered me. Now when I get a one star, I'm like, I wonder if those train crasher boys are going to come. That reminds me to ask, like, do you get um, nervous? Yeah, I, I suffer a lot from stage fright. And when does it dissipate? Uh, as soon as I, I take the mic out of the stand and I always with my left hand put the mic stand behind me. By the time I turn around, I'm okay. Do you ever change what you do when you go out? You do that no. every single time? Every single time. Fantastic. That walk from side of stage to the mic stand to moving is the longest walk of my life. I can yeah. hear my, like I, I'm convinced that they'll be able to hear my heart through the yeah, microphone. Yeah. I'm, I get so scared. And I th- honestly, I think it's because I've got a, a backup. I can always go back to my old job. I probably couldn't. They've probably moved on with programs <laughs> so hard out. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's just so much. Like when I, I sort of try and talk myself out, I'm like, why the fuck am I doing this? I don't need this job. Uh, I mean, obviously, I won't get as much, paid as much in advertising yeah. as I do now, but <laughs> yeah, but you've 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 earned the right. You've worked hard to get here. Yeah, yeah. So, but now I'm like, uh, the payoff is still because once I'm there, you know what it's like when you get those laughs and you're like, holy shit, these people yeah. have showed up just for what, me. I mean, yeah. See, the satisfying thing about your like, you know, I so I so want to just. I've done a few like I did. I've done a few shows and solo shows in like 450 seaters. But like when you're playing those, you know, you do galas and stuff where you do sets in big front of big crowds and it yeah. feels 
fucking insane. And you're like, I would love all you think when you come, I would love to keep talking to these guys. Yes. Like, you know, and Just then knuckle we, down and do an hour. Absolutely. And then we, but then when you actually get to do, you know, when that is the, the size of your audience, that just, yeah. you know, that is like, that is the dream. That's incredible. I mean, do you like, do you still take, do you have the perspective where you still have to take stock and be like, fuck, like I've grafted to, to earn the right to do this? Mate, every single time I walk out and I see people in the audience, I'm like, why are you here? How did yeah. you find out? You know, yeah. like I, I said to my friend Elizabeth, because when I just started, I, um, you know, I'd refresh the ticket sales the whole time and oh. then I'd go, four tickets sold. Then I'd text, i go, four tickets sold for Saturday night. Was it you guys? <laughs> and then I would, know, I would know exactly who it was. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We would, like we would work it out. So so all my friends would go, okay, I would I would fly on my work. I'd get all my colleagues to come on Thursday. Then I'd say to you, you get all your colleagues to come on Friday, Greg's, friends and, and colleagues need to come on Saturday. Like I pace it out. So not everyone I know try and come on the first night, you know. Yeah. And I want them to get there for, yeah, you know, yeah, sort of. Yeah. So it was just it was just crazy. So now when I look at it, I'm like, how many sold today? Holy shit. I, yeah. I'm amazed. Every time, every time I walk out and there's an audience in there, I'm like, wow. I look at your um your business model as a comedian is the one I would most like to emulate. And I, you know, I look to you as a huge source of inspiration in that respect because I don't see a lot of, I don't, I'm not f- friends with a lot of comics, especially in New Zealand, I don't see a lot of comics who are like that committed to stand up and have made it the bulk of what yeah. they, they spend their time on and how they earn their money. That's the, you know, that's like, that's the goal. Honestly, because my, everything, I, I had a meeting tonight with someone in South Africa and they were like, we should do something film or whatever. I'm like, mate. My my aim is stand up, and you know I know like the my uh, my dream would be to go to South Africa and do a stadium show yeah. in South Africa. I know then to do that I have to do what you're asking me to do this documentary. But my goal is to go do a massive show in South Africa and just sell the tits off it and just yeah. have a massive laugh. And and she goes, it won't be financially viable for you. I go. That is the last of my motivation. Like I never, yeah. and, and I've talked to other comics about this too, that's on the stand-up scene. I said, I can do a gig. My, my focus is, you know, getting the poster, getting the audience, you know, what are we going to do with the lighting, blah, 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 blah. And then when I finish the gig, I always go out, thank the audience for coming and then have some selfies and then go. So easy, the, the bit after the show could take another two, two and a half hours then I go back, pack up the theatre and go home. By the time I get back to the hotel or house or whatever, I'm like, oh, fuck, that was amazing. And then I'll get a message going, don't forget to invoice or don't forget. I'm like, oh, yeah, and I'm getting paid for yeah, this Yeah, shit. yeah, that's, yeah. That's like the last thing that motivates yeah. me. It's a brilliant way to be. Yeah, I'm a real gift, mate. Yeah, yeah. So so the thing that shits you is people can't laugh at anything, nothing oh, tickles I, them. Or do you have a I, proper thing? Um, that shits you about other people. About other people. The the thing that like I I've worked pretty hard to be pretty mellow and I, I sort of I feel like I can accept nearly every anything just as like someone's at a point in their life where this is how they have to behave. Not that they have to, but like the the fastest way to really like make me viscerally angry is um is the sound of a loud motorbike. <gasps> If I hear a loud motorbike, I just like, yeah. there's something in me that just snaps and I just become yeah. like, it's, you know, this this jolt of negative anger and energy strikes through me. 
And I've never, yeah. you know what? I've never been on a motorbike, and I'm sure if I had, you know, that opinion would be liable to change. But as it stands, yeah. I'm just like, just shut the fuck. There is no need. Need for it. Yeah. You've got that dad vibe. Yeah, though. yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like I, and I do. I feel like a dad when I um, yeah. when that happens, and it's it's just like it it it's never it's never mellowed. It's never become anything less than just a, the top shelf of my rage. You know what? I I want to invite you. Usually in October, I doubt that's going to happen this year. I do the pink ribbon ride. Yeah. And on the motorbike in the front <laughs> for breast cancer. <laughs> yeah, breast cancer. <laughs> so I think you should come be my pillion passenger. And I can, yeah, I, can I would, lo- I would love to. Because what they do, um, like there's heaps of bikes, like hundreds of bikes, and there's gang guys ride the cops on bikes. Like, yeah. And and then you usually have a couple of gang guys ride sort of just next to me to keep the other guys from trying to overtake because there's always one or two guys in the pink ribbon ride who think they there for a race. It's yeah, like, dude, yeah. oh, it's the police, and then it's me. Like we're just <laughs> we're just chilling. Yeah. We're going slow so people can see. We're raising awareness yeah. here. We're not fucking racing as fast as we can to the other side of town. Yeah, Chill yeah. Out. It's- Though I, and that is, the, you know, the worst to me. That is my assumption of everyone on a motorbike is those guys at the at that parade who are trying to turn into a race. In my mind's eye, I'm like, that's everyone's energy on a motorbike. Everyone, because it's a lot of fun to just throttle it. Oh, and go. fuck yeah! I got friends who ride motorbikes. They love yeah. it. They love it so yeah. much. They love Mate, it like as will, much as anything. You will that floppy head of yours flow right back. <laughs> <laughs> you will love it. Yeah. Okay, what's the one thing about you that shits you to death? Uh, I think there's probably a few work-ons. Um, you can do it, mate. <laughs> yeah, my um, – we've sort of already touched on it, but social media use, it's like it's, yeah. it's genuinely fractured my attention span. I can't um, – unless there's a deadline, like I've I've lost a huge amount of self-discipline to just sit down and not – you know, like splinter off to look at something every 10 or 15 minutes. And yeah. um, it really bothers, like it really bothers me. And I, I also, you know, I believe it is uh, preventing me from, you know, being as good as I'd like to be at some things. But I don't believe it to the point that I'm actively fixing it. I, just, sort of, it. I yeah. just live with that knowledge. See, I, I'm embracing it. I've started, I'm on TikTok. Oh, but now, yeah, what that's a, a great attitude. Instead of going, shit, I... You know, and I want to be on all platforms, so I just make the one video clip and I share the same thing That's on great. all of the platforms, and then I just step away from it. Like now, I loaded one thing before I started talking to you, and it's just going nuts on socials. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Let it go, and then I'll, I'll assess it tomorrow morning when I wake up. I make a coffee. I go back to bed. I read the paper and I read some of those comments. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I I climb into a few people that need it. Yeah. Um. Do you, and then do you, I just give it enough time for them to read it. Then I block them. Yeah. Do you? Um. That is so good. Do you like ever feel self conscious about what you post on social media? No. Duh. No. Again, it's my house. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, we've done what shits you about yourself, yeah. We have. All right, well, that's it. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush.